everybody we're we're about a week oh, or we're actually two days away from christmas now um which means we're you know nine days away before the, from the end of the year and and this is the time a year where you know usually we, we jeff and i would be kind of compiling our lists and and maybe next monday we would talk about um you know like what we th you know maybe we would try to put some time together this week since it's christmas and we have time off a little bit to kind of like put together a list of, of what our uh best matches are what our best wrestlers are, what our women are. Um, well, fuck women. Seriously. Um, what are, I'd kind of uh, like to. It's been a while. <laughs> what our shows Just are. Saying. You know, like, uh, oh, like, yeah, that, okay. like we did last year. And, and like we tend to do when we're doing one of these kinds of shows. But, you know, next Monday is going to be kind of a show, kind of a different type of show for us because the, the following weekend we're going to be covering back-to-back uh, -back live shows on... Wrestle Kingdom, so it would make more sense for us to do a Wrestle Kingdom preview next Monday than it would be to do anything else. Um, right. And so today we're just kind of kind of spitball and and talk about uh, we're trying to talk, talk about Impact because they had they had some of their best you know they had some great stuff going on including the Throwback Throwdown episode that Jeff and I both adored. Um, but we're also wait, wait, wait! You said hold on, I, I and I hate to interrupt you, but you said great or greatest thing ever. I just said great. No, no, greatest thing ever. That was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Period. Cool. Um, and then, we're, but, but then we're gonna kind of, we're gonna kind of, just kind of like maybe like not even uh, make official awards this year, but just kind of talk about what we th what we loved in the world of pro wrestling this year. Um, and I'm just gonna start off by saying that, you know, with all the great wrestlers in the world, and you know, watching these episodes of Impact and what he did on the Throwback Throwdown as a Jim Cornette. Um, look alike or sound alike or be alike guy, and then just everything he does in the ring and outside the ring. No, you know Kenny Omega is great. Um, Ray Ray Phoenix is great. Jay White is great. Zack Saber Jr. is great. Will Osprey is great. But my favorite wrestler continues to be um, Sammy Callahan. I cannot get enough of that. I can't. I can't disagree with that either. It, it, plain and simple. I, and I said that last year. I remember uh, towards the end of the year, I, just, I started touting Sammy Callahan as being one of the top four or five wrestlers in the world. And I remember when I first said it, you were kind of pulled back a little bit by it. But then after a couple of weeks of, of really watching what he does, you were right on board. And beginning of this year, everything he did on Impact was insane. Like, it, and I don't want to say insane, but it was just so, so well done. And then his uh, feud and then eventual partnership with uh, Mace Warner or Mance Warner on MLW was, was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Like, those two, I am so disappointed that uh, Jim Cornette put his own personal feelings ahead of um, what was best for wrestling and 
and just TV in general and broke the, those two guys up because what they had going at the beginning of the year was some of the best stuff I've ever seen on TV, period. And and he's continued to roll that through. I mean, we kind of were a little bit sketchy on his whole uh, feud with Tessa. And he's played this feud to perfection. He took what was a gimmick match and made Tessa his equal in that very first match. And then he, and, and I don't know, it was mainly Sammy, but Sammy was able to take their rematch and go from that mutual respect thing to his heel character, but still keeping Tessa on that level. And he's done it continuously throughout the last four months to keep Tessa on that level. So where now she's a legitimate number one contender for a heavyweight title or a world title, I guess. I don't think they're heavyweight titles anymore, but a world title. The the work that Sammy Callahan has done, I don't know that there's anybody better in the business at being able to do what he's done. He's he's come from the bottom to the top in one year. I wouldn't necessarily say the bottom. I mean, he had the grief feud against Pentagon last year too. But um, right, and and last year he was one one of our be- favorite characters of the year. He was one of our favorite wrestlers of the year. But when you when people look at Sammy Callahan. It always takes two to three years for people to really start to vibe on someone. I mean, look at Seth Rollins. He he really started to get kickstarted in 2014, 15. And it wasn't until last year when people really were like, oh, hey, Seth Rollins is pretty good. And I, and I feel like we're in that same boat with Sammy. Sammy, a couple of years ago when he broke away from NXT and that awful Solomon Crow character and, in, and came to Impact and MLW, and he was kind of that bottom feeder. And he really worked himself up and developed his character. And, and his character hit a few hiccups along the way. But he's been able to develop his character over the last two years to right now where he might be the most compelling character on TV. Yeah, I, I, d- I definitely agree with that, with that uh, sentiment from you. Um, I, you know, one thing, one thing you, 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 know, you didn't say in all that was how, was how great his match against, against Tessa Blanchard was. Um, you know, the, you, you mentioned this, the rematch, but I mean, the, the, the very first match at, um, was it Slammer, Slammeriversary? Slammeriversary, I think yeah. it was. I think it was a Slammeriversary. And I mean, I, mean, I didn't look it up, of, but that's I... still one of my matches of the year. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's in my top 10, if not my top five for matches of the year. It was that damn good. And I, was, it... and it followed up a tremendous match between Michael Elgin and Brian Cage too. So it wasn't like he didn't have any competition on that night, but it still should, but it still should, um, right. That is true. It's, still stood out, you know, and, and, you know, there's, there's still guys out there that, um, I'm looking at you, Miss Fan, who, you know, who call, um, Sammy Callahan a try hard, but I, I really don't get it at all. You know, I, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's funny that, because so. it's funny because for Miz to call him a try hard, remember Miz, he is exactly what you were three years ago, three, maybe four years ago. No, and it was fan, what two Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I misheard that. I thought you were talking about Miz, but um, if if okay, Miz fan, your hero was exactly where Sammy Cammy Callahan is now. Miz was there probably three or four years ago when he was first getting those title runs and first become be, uh, being looked at as number one guy, and then he got kind of his beat down from there and had to work himself back to where what 
two years ago, we thought he was the best wrestler. He would have been our number one guy if we had done a show. He was that good at everything he did. I mean, he basically carried both Raw and SmackDown there for almost a year. And then, you know, he's kind of fallen off a little bit since then, but that's not his fault. That's, it's, he's still putting on the, the phenomenal work that he did. But Sammy, for the things that Sammy has accomplished just this year alone, and we can only look at, you know, Impact and MLW, but the way he was able to transform himself from being this scumbag heel into this kind of tweener and the whole dynamic he had with Mance Warner. And that just every promo they did was nails. Every match they had was five star. They were just on point with everything those two did together. And then he, you know, had his exodus from MLW and kind of focused more on MLW and his relationship with uh, the, the golden draw, his relationship with Madman Fulton and all of OVW, um, or OVE, sorry. Um, and then his the way that he kind of transitioned himself into that semi-heel yet sympathetic character with the way he handled the whole uh, Tessa Blanchard stuff. And that match, that first match, and I, I can't, I'm not going to disagree with you. It's probably, I'd have to sit down and look at it, but off the top of my head, it's probably one of my top 10 matches of the year. I thought they were, they were amazing in it. I thought that Sammy had a, way to put tessa over as an equal and the way he went and did with the bat thing at the end it kept it kept his character but at the same time was giving respect to tessa and then to follow that up with kind of morphing back into sammy while still respecting tessa and now i don't think that if Sammy had not acted the way Sammy did over this last four months, that Tessa would be a believable number one contender for a world title. But I think the way that Sammy has carried himself and the way that he's put continually put Tessa over and not, I don't want to say put Tessa over because I don't think he did. I think Tessa had all the tools, but the way that Sammy was able to justify her tools put her on his level in a way that nobody else would have ever been able to put a woman on their level before. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, you know, I, I think, I think Tessa was already on the rise and I think that she, um, you know, she, you know, she went through, um, you know, she went through, the, she went through the women's division. She was coming up and she beat, um, Joey Ryan, I think it was right. Because Joey Ryan filled in for Eli Drake. Right. Unbreakable. Um, and then she and then she kept rising up the ranks, but I think it was going to take somebody, you know, that was that was already an established star for the company to really get her over to the top. You know, kind of the kind of way that um, Kurt Hennig did for Bret Hart is you know a famous example. Um, <coughs> you know, to get to get her her to that spot where she was going to be believable as a top star. Um, so I, I don't think it, I don't think it's it's anything negative to say that Sammy, you know, put her over. That's everybody. No, absolutely not. You know, that's, that's what you do when you're a pro wrestler. And that's how people, that's how people get over is by, is by, you know, and they, and they got themselves over I and mean, they got each other over, honestly. And I was just going to say that too. I, w- I was literally just going to say that you can't put back past the fact that this feud that he's had with Tessa has gotten himself over to a point where he is a, he's the impact world champ. Last year at this time, would you have thought of him as the Impact World Champ? I don't think I would have. 
I mean, we had we had Austin Aries, we had Moose, we had uh, Killer Cross, we had um, you know Cage was in the mix, John Morrison or John Johnny Impact was in the mix. Uh, you had so many other people, like even um, uh, and we'll talk more about him later. But Eddie Edwards um, was the the all these people were in the mix where Sammy Callahan was just like this despicable bastard who was yeah he was kind of a top mid Carter, but. I never. I don't think at this time last year I would have looked at him and said, "Oh yeah, he's a main eventer. He's a draw. He, you know, he says he's the draw, but is he really the draw?" You know, where now you look at him and and you look at the rest of that Impact roster, Sammy's the draw. He is the most compelling character in wrestling right now, and and it's it it's hard for me to say that because I love what Jay White's been doing. I absolutely love him. I think MJF has had a few misses here and there. I, I'm so disappointed in what happened with Matt Taven um, towards the end of the year. You know, But I think right now, if you look at the biggest draw in wrestling, I don't know that there's anybody bigger than Sammy as long as you can. Because I don't want to say as long as you can. Because if you can either respect his in-ring ability, which he has a ton of, you can respect his charisma, which he has a ton of, and you can respect what he's done for the business this entire year from day one, starting with his feud with uh, with Jimmy Havoc and then moving on to Mance Warner and then everything he's done in um, Impact Wrestling on to, on to Tessa. I mean, this Tessa feud's been going on, what, six months now? And it's literally brought them both over. I just don't know that there is more of a guy that has been from start to finish the guy in wrestling. Well, first of all, I, I, I'm just going to be a, a bit pedantic about what you said. Right, the top enough. draw in wrestling is the WWE name. The second oh, fuck draw that. In I don't care. The AEW name. But as far as individual wrestlers in an indie, in an indie level promotion, then yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. I think Sammy is probably the guy right now. It, I... I I would argue that even amongst wrestling smarks, um, and I know there's people that are going to just watch WWE because it's WWE, and there's people that are just going to watch AEW because it's not WWE. I Let's face it, as much as I love AEW and we do a show about them on Wednesdays, and I, speaking of which, is there going to be one this Wednesday with it being Christmas Day? There's not. Okay. No, they, I, they had already announced that the one that uh, this what this past Wednesday's was the final impact of the year. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure if they were gonna I wasn't sure if they were gonna have one or not for some reason that I missed that. But um, you look at the way that people treat AEW, and it's kind of sad because they have such talent. The uh, you know the Bucks, the Kenny Omega, Adam Page, and and so on. The list goes on and on and on. But people are more looking at AEW like it's not WWE, so it's great. I mean, AEW was anointed as the greatest thing ever before they even had a match. Just because they had money behind them, they had some top stars, and they weren't WWE. Ring of Honor has gone out of its way to kind of push AEW up the ladder. Impact has been having its issues for years. Um but the reality is, is it's WWE, and then it's not WWE, which by default is AEW right now. Uh, I think people are overlooking what is happening on Impact. I think Impact is on fire right now. Uh, 
and they may not have the biggest names. They may have lost a lot of people over time. You know, give them some credit because as much as I hate Josh Matthews, I don't know that there's a better team. And I'm, and I'm saying team because we look at Rick Abani and Rick Abani is great. We look at Kevin Kelly and he is great. But as far as team, can you imagine Don Callis being the way Don Callis has been with anybody other than Josh Matthews? I hate Josh Matthews. I think he's a horrible announcer. But he brings out something in Don Callis, which is magical. Um, no, because I don't, I don't know if there's anybody, that, if there's anybody that he can insult as much as he, as he insults Josh. And that's exactly it. I mean, these two announcers, Josh is terrible. I mean, he's not... He's not even slightly a good announcer, and I don't know if it's still a residue of his WWE days where he was having lines fed to him. I don't know if he just doesn't have the timing he needs, but the way Don Callis is able to pick him apart in every moment boosts that entire announcement team to the point where I laugh more at those announcers than I do at any other announcers on this that I, that I hear, period. I mean, Kevin Kelly is a great play-by-play guy. So is Ian Riccoboni. I really like Nigel. I just wish he got was able to get a word in edgewise over those other two idiots. Um, but as far as an actual team goes, I may have to put it on on uh, Callis and, and Josh Matthews. Yeah, that, that's probably true. I mean, I, I did really enjoy the team of uh, Tony Schiavone and... Excalibur. Oh, no. um, the uh, broccoli guy. Um, what was I can't the guy from MLW. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, I can't. Rich Bocchini. Yeah, Rich Bocchini. And I did too. Well, that's that's what MJF called him. He called him broccoli one time. Um, but yeah, and I I did really like those two when they were clicking too. But obviously, um, uh. Shivani's not part of that, and he was only a part of it for a couple of weeks. I liked Cornette with Bra- uh, Bokini as well. But I still don't think they have the I, – I don't think that either Cornette or Shivani had the kind of comedic timing that Callis has and can make something out of nothing the way that uh, Callis does. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a very true point. I mean, Callis is great with anybody, though. He was great with yeah. he was great with Kevin Kelly in and um, name Rocky Romero in NJPW as well. I just hope he comes back for Wrestle Kingdom for only one reason. I want to hear him scared of um, um, Minoru Suzuki just one more time. Just one more time, I want to hear that. And those of you that don't know, go back and watch any Minoru Suzuki match that Callis calls. You know, it's interesting because if if he does call that, I mean, that means he's going to be calling some AEW wrestlers because both John Moxley and Chris Jericho are on the Wrestle Kingdom are on the Wrestle Kingdom cards. They're letting Moxley back for that. Yeah. I thought after his stripping of the title, he was no longer allowed. He is wrestling. Um, uh, Lance Archer for the for that championship. Oh, you know what? I'd pay to in see a, that in a Texas Death match. I would pay to see that. Oh wait, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I don't pay that much, so I'm okay with it. 
and NJPW will give me main event matches every time I turn that channel on, so I'm okay with it. That is the one app. Um, I mean, besides the WWE Network, because of all of the extra stuff I get to watch on there. But I will say this: that the NJPW World app is probably the one app that I pay for that is actually worth it. Like I can turn that on at any time, and I know I'm getting a good match. Yeah, as long as it works. You know, I mean, there's there's been times where I've had problems with my Amazon app. It never fails me on my phone. Well, now yeah, the Ring of Honor app. On the other hand, we have a few issues with that one. I haven't had, issue, I haven't had issues with that one for a while, actually. Yeah, because you're usually jumping in when I'm on it. <laughs> and then I have the issues. <laughs> Fuck, I hate that app. It, I, I'm sure on the Roku, it works great. On Amazon, the only way I can get through it is through the um, internet. And the Amazon internet is not good for it. On my phone, it's hit and miss if it's going to work. And on my laptop, it's so choppy that it, it, and the fact that it doesn't resume where you left off is another thing I think that really irritates me about it. What does for me? It doesn't resume where you, it resumes where you left off? Yeah. I fucking hate you. I'm paying $160 a year for that and I can't even get it to resume. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta push it's the. Probably, it's probably because you don't have a Roku. Why would I have a Roku when I pay for Amazon? Well, there's there's a Prime app on Roku. That's like sacrilegious, almost. <laughs> there's a Prime app on Roku, yet here I am. I have with Amazon Prime. I I can't even talk to you right now. Well, there is, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even sure what you're talking about as far as the, uh, the Honor Club app because there isn't, there isn't a Roku, there isn't an Amazon app for, for uh, Honor Club. No, there isn't. So what I have to do is I have to use the Amazon Internet app and open it up on there to watch it on my TV. There's an Amazon Internet app. Yeah. What it's called that? Silk. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. And I have to open up this Silk Internet browser to get the um, Ring of Honor. And then it only works if it's logged out of every other. Like, I have to log out of my phone, my laptop. You have to not be logged in. It's the only way I can watch on this Silk app. And then the Silk app only gives me a certain limited amount, like within the last year and a half. It doesn't have the full site. You so know, like this, what we're going to do... Everything that you're saying right there sums, it can be summed up in, in one simple phrase. Ring of Honor sucks? No, it sucks to be you. Oh. Well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and here you go dogging me right before Christmas, man. Hey, you know, if, if you... I, I'd be happy to sympathize with you if, if, if you didn't give a shit that you spoiled me on, on that fucking match last week. So. I didn't spoil you on anything. Yes, you did. You, you told me no. that fucking you have lost her championship to overpushed woman chick. Admit it. You weren't going to watch it anyway. If I'd known it, but the match was happening, I would have watched it. That's the thing. Would you have known it was happening if I didn't even tell you? You just told me it was happening without telling me. You so there I can ruin it because I told you it was happening. No. 
Yes. Tell me, tell me what happened during a match or right. what, what the result is ruins it, not just that a match is happening. Twitter, let me know if I have the right to ruin it if I let him know what happens. What? There you go. We'll, we'll get the final. We'll get the final say. Our Twitter people will t- will chime in, and they will more than likely agree with you. But right now, I don't care. I'm not following Twitter right now because I don't want to see any spoilers for the Star Wars movie. You know, I already told you the bad guy wins. And I told you to shut the fuck up. I already. T- it's a Disney movie for Christ's sake. It's a Disney movie at the end of the trilogy. You already know what is happening. No, I don't. You know damn well who the last Skywalker is. You know who's going to win. It's a Disney movie, for Christ's sake. All right, shut up and let's move on. I knew who was winning this the second I heard Disney bought the damn... Are we going to keep the show going or are you going to hang up? Well, I don't know. I mean, kind of want to keep it going. Then shut up. Ain't fine. And move on. What? All right. So- oh, we got we to talk about this throwback show. Holy shit. That is the way to do a throwback show. Speaking of which, who the hell is this Alexia chick you were talking about? Alexia Nicole. Who I don't know. That? No. She's, an, she's, some, she's somebody on Impact, and she is hot as blazes. She's somebody on Impact. Yeah, she's uh, one, someone from the Narcos division. I can honestly say I don't remember ever seeing her before. I didn't know who she was either until this throwback show. And then I saw her on there and I was like, okay, I got to find out more about this chick. And when I looked her up, I'm like, okay, I need to know everything about her that there is to know. She is stunning. All right. So was she, was she one of the, was she one of the chicks with, was she that chick that was out there with, um, she was a Tessa and Havoc and all them Tessa in that, Whatever that uh, uh, stable was that they had, where they, yeah, yeah. All right, so she was she was the little the little chick, okay. <clears throat> yes, she was. All right. One of the Rough Riders. All right, so the least impressive of the Rough Riders is the one that you think is the hottest thing in the history of the world. Um, the smallest, prettiest, and less well, smallest and prettiest one. Yeah, I'm not into small. Well, I know. But when you're when you're looking at Havoc and um, Jordan Grace, everyone is small. I'm small next to Havoc. You're barely small next to a crane, dude. And I'm small next to Havoc. <laughs> That's the worst part. No, I'm seriously. Look her up right now. Alexi, Alexia Nicole. She's one of the newer knockouts. She's actually, um, if I remember seeing the last uh, Impact, right, she's the one challenging uh, Ty Valkyrie for the title. Alexia Nicole, okay. And for those of you at home, this is our Google portion of the show where we are going to be quiet while we look up pictures. I'm telling you, this I chick is smoking. See, I don't see she's anything special, dude. Ah, man. I, I don't know what to say to you anymore, she's skinny, then. She's She barely has any breasts. She has no hips. Um, you're clearly not looking at the pictures I'm looking at. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, wait. She's a porn star. Well, okay, no, no, she wasn't. Nope, sorry, my bad. I read that wrong. It said, Jeff, it said, I wish she was a porn star, and Jeff's like, oh, she's a porn star. Kind of. Yeah, so anyway. Um, anyway, she's my new favorite. She's four foot eleven. She's a hundred and eight pounds. How can you go wrong with that? Yeah, you enjoy her, dude, because I have no use for her. Ah, oh, so painful. Anyway, what was I looking up? Oh yeah, uh, <clears throat> this uh, IPWF. Yeah, you, t- you told me the, you told me last week that it was a real that was a real organization. It's not. It was not a, never a real organization. I thought it was. The, there was something I saw about it where it was like. Um, this was a uh, a real federation in Canada that went like bankrupt in the mid mid eighties. Got no. bought up by Stampede. No, it did not. <laughs> I'm googling right now. I hate you. I'm googling. I did think it was a. Gr- I did think it was great though that uh, Don Callis was using the name Sexton Hardcastle. Everything about this show was great. <laughs> I, right, the way that just from to use Edge's original wrestler name as his name on that show, I thought was great. Well, and the, just everything about it was great. The fact that so, the, so the, that um, Edge is a former IPWF World Heavyweight Champion because he said Sexton Hardcastle was a former World Champion there. Possibly. The one thing I, I like the most about it is this was an eight, uh, nineteen what nineteen eighty three eighty four throwback show, yeah. and uh, Johnny Swinger came out as Johnny Swinger because <laughs> he's already eighties. <laughs> right. I thought that was amazing. Um, I, thought I, I, I thought it was great that Tessa Blanchard um, invented the DDT on this show. <clears throat> yep, and uh, Sonny Sanders uh, was the Jim Cornette uh, character that Sammy Callahan played. Julian Cumberbun uh, was. Um, Wait, was her name Blanche Hardbody? Is that what her name was? I, I'll look it up here. I'm, I don't something. think. No, it doesn't sound familiar. Which means it was probably absolutely correct. More than likely, yeah. <laughs> the uh, and I'm going to go back. I, I'm going to have to um, go back and look at some of the the messages I sent you throughout this because there was some there was some stuff that just blew me away, like DJ Too Large Moose in his match against uh, Captain Joystick was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. You know, it was. And here's the thing. DJ Too Large is the best I've ever seen Moose be. You know, that is, and it was. What, and that, that's what Moose's character should be right now is DJ Too Large. You know, I know that was another thing. It was supposed I, to be a parody. But, I, but if, they, if they went with that as his character right now, that would be just awesome to me. One of the things I wanted to say about this whole, this entire card was it was nice seeing everybody come out of who they were. They weren't... Um, they, I don't think there was a single person on this outside of Jimmy uh, Johnny Swinger that actually played who they really were, and I thought it was great to watch, just watch all of these characters be something completely different. Like, I absolutely loved, um, uh, can't think of his name now, the dude from the North, Timber. No, seriously, the guy that played, um. Julian, Julian Cumberbund. Cumberbund. Yeah, Ethan Page. Yeah. 
I thought he was amazing. You can't think of his name. That's great. (laughs) Anyway, I can barely think of my name most nights, dude. Um, But Julian Cumberbund, I thought was such an amazing difference from what Ethan Page is, and same thing with uh, um, the way Sammy Callahan played his his character, and even uh, just pretty much everybody. Like I loved um, Eddie Edwards as Colton Hardcastle as Cowboy Colt McCoy. I thought he was amazing in that. I loved those guys. I loved those guys in that four way match against uh, against the women. Uh, Tim Burr, Josh Alexander was such a great character. I love and then Ray you had Strack. Yep, Ray Strack went and uh, Phil Game and Jim Nysom. Um, which I, it, it was the Rascals. I thought was great. And then you had. Uh, but yeah, Ray Strack was my favorite, and I and I really loved Tim Burr and his whole um, lumberjack gimmick. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Rough Riders I thought were amazing. But I I might have been looking too much at Alexi and Nicole during that, so I can't really say much. Um, I loved the fact that Jazzy Fitbody was out there, um, and Callus got in his jokes to um, uh, Giuseppe about how he doesn't know what a fit body is and all this stuff. He had to get in, in his Madison rain jokes, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, Just the best, brilliant. The best talk. part about that was that he said, um, I think we should call you Jazzy fit body. Also Giuseppe, but we would take the F out and put an S H in front of the IT fish body. <laughs> no shit body. Oh shit body. And then Giuseppe's uh, like, let me write that. Let me <coughs> write that out. You can't say that. There was so much greatness out of this commentary team and just literally everything. Like I, I remember messaging you, but there was half of what I messaged you that I, I remember like hit that marker bit when the, when the uh, off camera guys just kept handing Josh markers and he didn't know what to do with it. it was such great TV. And then the, um, uh, what's some of the other stuff? I got to find the message I sent you. I don't, I, I don't think I totally missed that marker part you're talking about. Oh, they, there was a part where uh, they had the hard camera on Giuseppe and, and Harden Sex Castle. And, uh, Sexton Hardcastle. Sexton Hardcastle. And Harden, Giuseppe. Harden Sex <laughs> Shut up. I'm bad with names. better. <laughs> anyway, so they, they have the hard camera on them, and uh, Giuseppe asks for a microphone. And he puts down a cigar and he or he asks for a, a you know pen to write with, and he puts down a cigar and he grabs a marker and sets it down, and then throughout the next three or four minutes of the of the spot, whoever's off camera just keeps handing him markers and he just keeps taking them and then hands a bunch of them over to Don Callis and said here you go have some markers and then the guy just keeps handing him more markers. I thought it was I thought that was just fun. It was one of the one of the more fun spots I've seen. Why can't I find these messages? There was so much, and the reason I was messaging you is because I was like, "All right, I need to send this to somebody, or I'm going to forget." You know, I I, I was kind of bummed that Rapid Delivery Pete didn't write his keyboard down to the ring, though. Well, because that's too new wave. I did like Austin Aries and his punk thing, his little punk gimmick that he did. Ace Austin or Ace Austin? Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to drink more before the shows. Maybe that's the problem. I thought it was problem. funny that the hard workers were named Ocean Hall. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there, what was their, what was their, um, the, when they called in their weights? 
when you were like weighing in at enough to make the ladies drive to drive the ladies crazy. Yeah, it was one of the one yeah, of the best things I've like tried. That. Yeah, that was amazing. That that was so much fun. That might have been the best line I've ever. That that beats out cranberry juice. That the private party uses. Fuck, I'm pissed. I don't know where these are. What's going on here? My dog's growling at something. Probably you. Did we watch this before? Okay, here it is. All right. Um, I remember, like, seriously, Falaba's partner was um, D'Lo. Was it just me or did D'Lo look as big as Falaba? If yeah, not he, bigger. He's, he's gained a lot of weight, no question. Holy shit, he has. It's like almost two D'Lo's. I'll be right back. You hang on the show for a minute. I, I can't do this. You know I'm terrible at the play-by-play thing. So I guess I'm here to entertain y'all. So um, anyway, anyone that needs to know anything, we need to look up Alexia Nicole. And we need to spam Zanman's Twitter. And it's at Zanman, Z-A-N-M-A-N-L-O-P. Spam him with Alexia Nicole pictures. That is what I'm asking of everybody out there right now. That's what we need to have happen. She is hot as hell, and he doesn't see it. So, besides that, um, going back to uh, the Josh Matthews bit, I, I just I, I loved the whole. There was everything about this show I really loved, especially the, the marker bit was hilarious. The fact that uh, the Madison Rain wife jokes kept continuing with the. Uh, um, with him talking to Josh about the jazzy fit body and all that stuff. And uh, I, I this this easily could have been my favorite show. If we were going to pick favorite shows of the year, this one easily could have been it. There was so much greatness in all of this show. And the fact that even people like uh, um, Jake Christ was never on there. And, you know, you had that awful bit from Rhino being a butcher in the back. And I, it, there was some badness but overall i felt like this was my favorite this is how you do throwback shows and this is what what i want nwa to actually notice is if you're gonna do a throwback show you do it like this and then you move on to the way wrestling is in the 90s because they have really overdone their throwback studio show i'm i'm back now all right i figured you were yeah, it, it was great. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Impact took what WWE started with their, you know, YouTube shows on the South Park or the South Paw Wrestling Federation or the, whatever the hell that was called. And they just kind of, you know, they emphasize it into an actual wrestling show rather than just those things. Well, and not just that. I mean, you look at NWA and I, would, I literally just said this. NWA is doing a modern version of a throwback show. If you're going to do a throwback show, go balls in like they did here on Impact. Just do it and do it all out. Have the bad wrestling, have the innovative moves, which was what a Hurricane Ron, or no, it's a DDT, was an innovative move at the, on this show. It just If you're going to do it, go all in. Don't just do this, hey, we're a throwback show doing a studio audience and then ha- run out the modern day wrestlers. It's just not working, and and I think that might be, when I look back at what NWA is doing, I think it's more 
the way they're presenting their talent and the way they're presenting the show that's driving me off of it as opposed to the fact that they are not as good. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, they, and they do have guys that are old school type guys too. Like like Nick Aldis is an old school type wrestler. Yeah. And Storm is mostly an old school type wrestler. Um, um, so is Colt and, uh, cool. um, and... And I was going to say Trevor Murdoch definitely fits that, that uh, yeah. school. You know? and, and of Ken Anderson. I mean, they do have a lot of old school wrestlers, but at the same point... Oh, and don't forget the greatest tag oh, team of all time, the Rock and Roll Express. Oh. All right, I'm done with the show. Just do it. <laughs> Whatever. I can't talk anymore. I'm just you just sucked all the wind out of my sails. <laughs> no, I mean they they do have a lot of an old school wrestling feel, and I'm okay with that. It's the presentation that's becoming the issue. And I get it. Corgan can't afford to have the type of firework displays and, and uh, video packages that uh, WWF has or even AEW, but he doesn't need to. What he needs to do is he needs to present the show in a way that is more modern and stop playing off the fact that these guys are all old school wrestlers, which they are. I mean, even, even Eli Drake, to an extent, is an old school wrestler. And that's fine. Have your old school wrestling. Just beef up the presentation a little bit. And I think you're going to get a whole lot more out of that show than you do. Yeah, but they, but they pretty much got made themselves dead to me when they, when they put that card together for that pay-per-view. When they put the Rock and Roll Express in a pay-per-view in 2019, they were dead to me. Well, I was also... You know, I still haven't watched the matchup. I, I did... I did I do have the show. I do plan on watching at least the main event eventually, but it did really bug the shit out of me that James Storm wrestled a match to get a shot at the championship. He lost the match, but he still got a shot at the championship. I can't even bring myself to download the show to watch it, to be honest with you. The more and more I thought about it, and the more I looked at it, the only match that I actually cared about was Eli Drake and Ken Anderson. And then I looked back at the at the way the build was for that, and it was all built off their mic skills. And then Anderson would come up and do his little Anderson gimmick, and that was the extent of it. It's like I wanted to see these two go off on a couple of month uh, mic battle, just back and forth mic work, and then lead it into a match. Instead, they kind of just fumbled their way into this match, and that became a marquee match on the show, and it was honestly the only match i wanted to see because it was the only match where i felt like the talent actually was there for the entire match as much as it, as much as i love james storm i've seen all this versus storm i don't want to see it again no i mean i i think that you know when you, when you have you know they've been building really if you think about it you know the fact that all this you know introduced eli drake into the company back at the ROH um, was it the anniversary show? Was the ROH anniversary show he did that? You know, I, I mean, I mean, really, it, it seems like all these years they've been setting up for all this, all these months they've been setting up for all this versus um, Drake, and that should have been the main event of their first, you know, pay per view, separated from ROH or you know, on their own completely, and instead they they make this weird James Storm match where Storm when Storm. 
when Storm had already, you know, lost the opportunity to wrestle for that championship. It, it was just so weird. Well, and then and it, didn't it they... really threw me off? And and the, and you know, it, and it says a lot about that organization that you know, a Ken Anderson match in 2019 was what you're looking the most forward to. Exactly, and that's uh, exactly, and, and that's that's really sad. And we can't look past the fact that Marty Skrull is now an NWA member. What? He showed up on the last show. The villain is now NWA. It was the last thing I saw. I haven't watched the show, so I can't really say for sure. But uh, from what I saw, is Marty Skrull is now NWA. Did I lose you? You gone? I, I'm back now. Um, just hang, just I'm hang trying. up on that. I wouldn't blamed you. No, I did not hang up on you. But okay, so I, I know Skrull showed up on on the last show, but that doesn't. He doesn't actually sign with them, did he? <laughs> Uh, let me see here. I might need to look it up here, but I know he showed up on the show, and I thought it was more so as his introduction than it was anything else. Let me see here. That would be a really weird choice when, he, you know, when he's got NXT and AEW going after him, and he signs with, and in our ways going after him, he decides to sign with NWA. That would be so weird, you know. Okay, despite appearing for Ring of Honor and NWA last week, Skrull is currently a free agent. Okay. Oh, one of several Ring of Honor stars whose contracts are expiring along with Cobb, Bandito, Brody King. Oh, Jesus Christ, they're going to get cleared out again. This promotion is dying a slow death. Because now, you know, Cobb, Bandito, and Shane Taylor, and then Tracy Williams, throughout the year and Brody King who I think is an absolute star these are all guys that are now on their way out of Ring of Honor too Brody King should be snapped up by AEW and put in that stable with MJF in a heartbeat Brody King is one of the most underrated talents out there right now absolutely he's big he's fast he's strong he's a technical wrestler <clears throat> you know I mean, I mean he, he really and he's, is I mean, he's he's he really is. He really could be like the next Brock Lesnar, like in two thousand two, not the current Brock Lesnar. But no, I you know a, a, te- a big a big guy who's also a technical wrestler. But he's also got a voice. That's the thing I think puts puts him ahead of Brock Lesnar. I think he has all the physical skills to be a Brock Lesnar, but I think he also has mic talent to be something bigger if you heard him on the um final battle show and just his uh mic work when he was uh, filling in as an announcer and then if you saw some of his bits when he was um going to japan with marty looking for the new member of uh of villain enterprises he's got he's got comedic timing he's great on the mic i brody king is like my alex hammerstone like coming into the year, we're toting Alex Hammerstone as being the next big thing. He's got all five tools. Mm-hmm. I think Brody King is right there with Hammerstone. I really do. I think those two guys in the next five. Well, I guess Hammerstone's quite a bit older than King, but um, I think those guys in the next four or five years are going to be top-notch stars in the business. Brody sure, King, if anybody that... can snatch him up now. Where I would say that Hammerstone has the advantage over Brody King is that Hammerstone knows who he is, and I think Brody Lee and I think Brody right. King is still, King still. As, a, as a performer. 
and and that's and that's yeah. That's and, I mean, he never ages in the experience, but I think I think I think King sometimes does stuff that he shouldn't be doing as a guy his size. Whereas I think that Hammerstone it wrestles exactly the way he should be wrestling. Oh, I agree. I agree, hundred um, percent. But I think I think Brody King and is one of those guys that just really needs to. He needs to find a place somewhere that's going to take take care of his talent. And I don't think Ring of Honor has done it yet. No, he he needs somebody that that will nurture him and get the best get the most out of him. And you know, sadly, that place is honestly the best place for him. Probably is because because of his size and because of the guys he'd be able to work with. There probably is NXT. I just really don't want him to go there. You know, I I love AEW to snatch him up, but I and I think there's guys there that could also mentor him very well as well. Like like you know, Dustin's there who's six foot six. You know, and I think Dustin could be a great job mentoring him too. And and Anderson's working with them and. Uh, Dean Malenko's working with them. So while I think that probably Shawn Michaels and Triple H would be the best mentors for him, that doesn't mean I, that I still think AEW has guys that could be great mentors for him. I just, I think that if he's going to succeed, he needs to go someplace that's going to let him be him. NXT, you know the WWE mold. He's there and he's going to be pushed into a Punishment Martinez type role. And not given the chance to actually be the voice that I think Brody King can be. And that's the same for Hammerstone. I think if Hammerstone or King were to go to the NXT or WWE, get muted because of the size they bring. Because of the size of wrestlers they are, because of how big and talented they are, they're immediately going to get thrown in that Lars Sullivan, Punishment Martinez, Undertaker role where they shut their mouths up and make them just be these big guys. And I think that's a huge mistake when you're looking at guys this size who can actually talk and cut promos too. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, and you know it's sad that I that I that I'm not watching Hammerstone anymore because I just can't bring myself to put a M- um, MLW on anymore. I'm kind of the same boat, especially after Teddy Hart leaving and MJF. I I, I, I really like the last few times I watched it and I just can't I mean I I, I was I don't know. I mean, they're not the organization that we fell in love with anymore. No, they're not. They don't have the same. They don't have the same writing. They don't have the same uh, way of building stories like they did. Like the, as much as I hated the Simon Gotch heel turn, or well, face what I'm not really sure what it was because wasn't Team Filthy kind of heels when Simon Gotch turned on him to a heel faction. Yes. So it made it made Tom Lawler face by default. Exactly. Okay. So as long as I got that, okay. But even the writing that story, Loki versus Tom Lawler match, was like an eight month build. They built it over, and it was a slow build. But they built it, and they made Tom Lawler into this top star. And ever since then, ever since he won the belt. That entire company has just gone downhill, and it's sad to see. But you did mention something that I wanted to kind of bring up. Uh, you'd mentioned Dustin Rhodes. Now, <sighs> young wrestlers are going to make mistakes. They just are. That's the way it works. What you has you, you, if you're doing everything perfectly, you're not going to learn anything. What really annoys me is what has happened this last five days. A young, up 
up-and-coming wrestler who is now part of the Dark Order was um, supposed to punch Dustin in the face. But he took it upon himself, realizing that Dustin was already cut open, didn't want to make it worse than he was. You know, He's a young wrestler going against a legend, future Hall of Famer, and, and literally a legend in this business. And he didn't want to... He didn't want to miss a punch to cause any more damage to Dustin, who was already busted open. So he took a few swings that were a little bit awkward, but because they were caught on camera, the internet has fucking blown up to the point where you've got people like Randy Orton calling out AEW and the fact that they're letting this guy on TV and even Dustin talking about how he needs to learn to throw, learn to throw a punch. Like, let's fucking relax a little bit. If that same thing had happened in 1980, it would have been brushed under the rug. But because we're in the internet community, and I don't know if you if you know if you know what I'm even talking about. I have no idea. But the end of the the end of the night from Thunder la- or from Dynamite last night, from when uh, <laughs> I had little, I've been watching some WCW this week, so forgive me, um, but. The end of end of Dynamite when um, uh, Dark Order hit the ring and was fighting everybody, and then Dustin came out. Dustin got cut open, and there was a spot where the little minions or creepers or whatever they are were attacking all of the wrestlers, and one of these really just young kid. I mean, he he's not that far in the business. He hasn't been. He barely has a name. He was wearing a mask for Christ's sake, and he was on top of Dustin, and he was throwing punches that were clearly missing Dustin and hitting the ring instead of hitting Dustin. Okay. And the camera just happened to catch it. It just happened to be the hard angle camera, and uh, you know, somewhat a lot of that's on AEW. If you see that happening, you quick go move off of it. You don't sit on it for six or seven punches. You go, holy shit, he's fucked up. Let's move. Um, so part of that's on AEW and their camera work. But the fact that everybody has just gone ape shit about this is embarrassing. Just absolutely embarrassing. It's been all over Twitter. It's been a lot of like mainstream wrestlers for WWE, of course, because they just want to trash AEW. But the most prominent was, uh, was um, Randy Orton saying that this guy is shit and he should never be allowed on TV again, basically, until he learns to throw a punch. And then Dustin even came out and said, look, you got to learn how to how to throw a punch. And the guy came out and and what he said is he goes, look, Dustin was cut open. This dude's a legend. I'm not going to make shit worse. So, yeah, I made a mistake and didn't hit him like I probably should have. But it's just like at some point we need to let this shit go. We are nitpicking to that point. We all know that this shit is fake. We all know they throw punches that do not connect. Or if they do connect, they get pulled so quickly that you don't notice them. Give this kid a break. Don't jump on his shit just because he thought that hitting a legend in the face when the legend was bleeding was a bad idea. Amen. it's, It's just been annoying me for like four days. So I'm glad I actually got to say something about it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I, like I said, I didn't even know that was going on because I just, I'm not a social media guy like you are. 
it just my twitter's been lighting up so people have been messaging me going what do you think of this what do you think of this i think it's shit get off this kid's shit randy you were a young kid once too and i twitter, saw a few twitter doesn't exist twitter does not exist for me for the next like week or so, so. well i know but you know randy orton uh, when randy orton was this kid's age as far as business wise goes randy orton was uh not even on national television yet he was making botches in uh, in OVW. And there were quite a few times in that first couple of years, even when he was with Evolution beginning his rise, where he fucked up a few things. You know, Randy Orton's not been perfect. And for him to come out and call out another wrestler like that, honestly, that made me... I lost a lot more respect for Randy Orton. And, and you know me, I've been one of his biggest touters for the last five years i mean randy orton to me has been a god because of how great he's been over his career and i've never felt like he's gotten his just due but this last couple of things he's pulled his calling out tony khan and now this it's like randy get off your high horse you've made mistakes as a kid too you, you do realize that randy Orton's always been a bit of a dick right no, he's an asshole. I, he's always been an asshole as a personal guy, but his character and the way that he's been able to build um, storylines and stuff and some of the performances when he's motivated is some of the best I've ever seen. I, he's a future Hall of Famer, and he's a guy that is has always been on point when he wants to be. That's the key point, when he wants to be. He has done some shit, too, that has not been the greatest ever. But and it, it just annoys me to watch a guy like Randy Orton, who should be who should be supporting the young guys in the business, because he's at the tail end of his career. Randy Orton's not the kind of guy that you know. It, let's let's face it, all of his all the people that he came up with, they're all gone. Batista gone, going to the Hall of Fame. Cena hasn't been around for years. Edge, I, yeah, I, I know he's making a comeback, but he can't wrestle anymore. Yeah, and he hasn't been on TV prominently in years. And these are all the guys that Orton came up with. And all these guys are gone. Orton's the last guy that's still wrestling on a consistent basis. So he's got to know his time has passed. But for him to like bury the next generation the way that he's been lately has made me lose all respect for this guy who I've worshipped. I don't want to say worshipped because that's childish. But a, a guy that I have legitimately stuck up for for years to watch him act this way has been really really disheartening yeah my, my point was simply that he's always been a bit of a dick that way so i mean it, i i don't understand why why that why him acting like a dick when he's been a dick all these years would make you feel that way he just has social media now and a, and a target outside the wwe to, to put it on us all well, no, I know. He's, he's I get it. He's been a dick in the locker room. He's been a dick to people on airplanes. He's been a dick to people backstage. Yeah, part of that was, part of that was I mean, me. He wasn't, he wasn't ever going to be a dick to Impact because Impact was beneath WWE. He wasn't even ever going to be an, a dick to Ring of Honor or, you know. But but I mean now you know people like like Seth Rollins and Randy Orton because AEW is prominent because NJPW is prominent. They're just a dick to those wrestlers because they can be and because they're the competition. Yeah, that's true. I get that. I really do. And I and I understand that. I understand where you're coming from. It's just because he's a guy that I've I've he was that guy when AJ Styles was coming up it, that they were like my one and two. 
and and it was it depended on the week which one was better than the other but they were legitimately my one and two wrestlers every single week and for me it's kind of it's a little bit painful for this guy that i've actually had respect for like i i love austin aries i think he's an amazing amazing talent i actually have more respect right now for austin aries than i ever have before because at least austin aries doesn't ever hide the fact that he's a dick randy orton hid behind kayfabe for so long that he was just oh i just don't break character when i'm in public i just don't break no you're a dick dude own it austin aries owns it and he's one of my favorites you're a dick in real life oh <laughs> Sorry, got a lot that, of control that is, there. That's hard to disagree with, my friend. Why? Because it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, but I mean, if you're an asshole, you know, you're an asshole. Yeah, and, and own it. Who cares? You're an asshole. You make millions of dollars. You make more money than I will ever think of making. You're known the world over. People love you. People can love you for what you do without loving you as a person. Triple H has proved. Than that time, just own the fact that you're an asshole, and I'm fine with you. Yeah, we kind of went all over the place here, didn't we? We did, and we never actually really got to the point that I wanted to make, Which is- as far as who my who my top performers were this year, because it's like <laughs> we kind of mentioned at the beginning that. We've been all over the map this year. Like last year, we were we were stuck on um, on New Japan. We were stuck on uh, Ring of Honor. Kind of a little bit stuck on NXT. We watched a lot of Impact. So we kind of had a narrow brand of who we liked. Coming into this year, we started with MLW. I was watching Defiant. Um, there was NJPW. There was Impact. There was NWA. There was Ring of Honor. There was... You know, and you know, I we went a little bit off on on NWA of Hollywood and certain. What was the other one? Evolve. We spent a little time on. Yeah. So this year it's been a little bit harder, to, like you said, to compile that those lists like we did last year. And we actually had one of our faithful listeners ask us if we were going to do a list this year, if we were going to could break down our best matches and all this stuff. I don't know that we can. Seriously, because there's been so much going on. But if I if I had to off the top of my hand, I'm going to go maybe you know, top six, seven, eight, maybe even ten wrestlers of the year, and not really any order. But I think these are the guys that have had amazing years that really need to get called out. I think Jay White has had an amazing year. We've already talked about Sammy Callahan. And Jay White, I mean, we go for days about all the great stuff he's done. Osprey, in the ring, Osprey, I don't know that there's been anybody better this entire year than Will Ospreay. El Fantasmo had such a great second half of the year, and he was great when he was in Defiant. His character wasn't as fine-tuned, but once he hit Bullet Club and hit that role, has there been a better cruiserweight than El Fantasmo? Um, besides Osprey, probably not. And then, you know, how many other guys were there? Matt Taven had a great year. I thought MJF had a great year. 
amazing performances. Darby Allen has come out of nowhere to really become one of the top guys in the business. There's been, you know, and of course, we've always got our Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano's and, and you know, people like that. I mean, who would you put in a top five this year? I kind of just ran through like eight or nine people that I would put in a top five. Wow, who did I put in the top five this year? Okay, so Champa. Champa had he not gotten injured? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If he had not gotten injured, maybe, but he did. So right. Um, so who did I put in the top five this year? Um, Sammy Callahan. Number one. That's both our both you and my. That's our number one. Yeah. Uh, Cody. Um, it's tough because he hasn't wrestled a lot of the, this year, but at the same time, he's been in some of the best matches this year. You know? Yeah, he's kind of right on that border for me right now. Um, There's like four guys that are right on that border that it's hard for me to to pick a clear number five. I mean, I for me for me, Sammy, Osprey, White, and El, El Fantasmo. That's my one through four. Yeah, they've um, just been so so good. Osprey's probably my number two. Just because just because of what he did beginning of the year, you know, right? It's 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 hard to it's hard to take him, put him anywhere anywhere outside the top two. And not just from what he did the beginning of the year, but the, that match he had against uh, Naito could go down as one of my favorite matches of the year. The way those two, yeah, when he won the title, Osprey against Naito. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking White. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> My that's that's on me. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking Jay White because Jay White's my number three guy, hands down. Yeah, White's been great. Um, I I've been now you're gonna you're gonna you're probably gonna kill me for this, but you know he had such a great run in the New Japan Cup. He had that great he has he had great matches against Okada this year. And he, you know, he had How great, could I? and he had that fantastic match against Will Osprey in the G one, and I've got to go with Sonata. He's in my, he's in that cusp. He's like, I've got like five, four or five guys that are right there for me for number five. Yeah, I yeah. find it hard. I mean, my top three right now are set in stone, um, as far as, and no particular order it could change depending on my on my on my mood, but Osprey. White and and um, and Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. I I can't think of three better guys. Three guys have had better years than those three. Start so, to finish years. Yeah, Jay White is Jay White is probably my number three guy. <coughs> you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm surprised you don't have Osprey in your top three, but you know, I. I, I can't well, I just did. He he's my he's my those are my top three, kind of depending on my mood order. Okay. It's um it's Callahan, it's Osprey, and it's and it's Jay White. I must. I must have misheard you. I thought you said something else. Um, I. I honestly can't think of who I would put in that top three position. I think Taven and MJF had a chance at it, but I think they both had had issues that have got them now hovering around my number five spot. But for me, there's been nobody better, plain and simple, nobody better than Osprey, than Sammy Callahan. And then Jay White throughout the entire year from start to finish. Yeah, so I, so I'm probably gonna and I would and I would have probably have Cody at my number four. Um, 
And I'm trying to think who I have at number five right now. Or no, I, no, number five would, would be Sonata for me. So that's what it is. That's what my list I think is gonna is gonna be is, and I know I'm a bit of a homer with a Sonata pick, but I think, but I do, I honestly think that he's given me some of my most emotionally satisfying moments this year in this year in professional wrestling. Against See, Sonata, mine... against Suzuki, against against Zack Saber Jr. and and to me, I mean, yes, he's one of my favorite wrestlers, but at the same time, I've been so emotionally involved in those matches that he had that I can't see where I'd pick, I'd pick anybody else ahead of him. See, so for you and I, the top three is kind of set in stone. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got Sammy at that solid number one, both of us. There's been nobody better over the last 12 months. Um, for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but either or, two or three, um, it's Osprey and Jay White. I, those guys are interchangeable for that two and three spot. Osprey has put on some of the greatest matches I've seen this year. So has White. White may have the edge on character development, but I felt like some of the stuff Osprey has done in developing his character has been just nails as well. So it's hard for me to pick either one over the other. So here's um, why it's Osprey for me over White. So before before you move move on, okay? Um, because he was. A dominant force in the G in the uh, Super J in the uh, what the hell is it called the best of the Super Juniors. He had so he said he had those outstanding tag matches where it was him and Robbie Eagles taking on um, El Fantasmo and Ishimori. Okay, yep, and, I agree. And then he was also um, he also ruled his way right after the G one or right after the. Uh, uh, the best of the super juniors through the G one through the G one. I, I don't think that can be discounted. Um, and so and so just because I think that the variety that he was in, and and how well he did, he was against all manner of competition, he edges out white for me. See, and for me, they're they're interchangeable depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, I see where I see where you're coming from with Osprey. I see what you've you you're saying with him, and I agree a hundred percent. But for me, those two are interchangeable simply because the fact that Jay White was able to come into the G1 the way that he did and just dominate it. Yeah, he started off rough, but he ran on a tear that brought him to the finals. Where Osprey just never got a click in during the G1. And that was kind of disappointing because of the way they were setting him up. Plus, I've really liked the way... The difference between American television and Japanese is the fact that American heels can go out there and cut a five-minute promo and put themselves over that way. Jay White does not have that ability in Japan. He's not able to go out there and stand in the middle of the ring and cut a five-minute promo that puts him over. The only way he ever gets that promo time is if he wins the main event of a ma- of a of a major pay per view or major show, then he gets to stand in the ring, cut a promo like he did on um, Goto. But for the most part, that's the one thing about Japan that really doesn't have the I, I don't know what the word is advantage that American television does for American audiences. Where Jay White has excelled ahead of Osprey, I think, is the way that Jay White has been able to build his character throughout matches. 
Osprey just goes out there and he does his he he does his storytelling. He does his phenomenal moveset. He has become one of the better storytellers, in-ring storytellers I've ever seen without using his voice. But Jay White can come in there and turn a match into something completely different just by the way he talks to his opponent. And I think that might be the one reason why Jay White might move into that number two spot for me and move Osprey to number three. But ultimately, those top three are the same for both you and I. It's Callahan, White, and Osprey. Okay, yeah, My- I, I, don't, I totally see where you're coming from with that. And I, and I do agree that um, that way... That White has the ability both ways to turn a match around, and and I think that he that he just knows his character so well that um, that you know there's times where you forget that you're watching a fake performance because he because he is so good in there. And I, right, and I exactly. And I like so much about that Naito J White matches. Both guys were so so deeply involved in their characters, and they were so much. You're watching Naito versus White, the characters, not Naito versus White, the wrestlers. And I think that's why, you know, that's why that match is going to remain in my top five of the year. Absolutely. And and I'd be hard-pressed to find that not being my number one. If I were to sit down and actually think about it and have the time like we did last year to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to watch all these matches, I'm going to figure it out, I'd have a hard time not having that at my number one. And that's it's, plain it's not mine because of how good Dustin, Dustin and Cody were. Dustin and Cody was such an emotional match, but there was not the character development out of the characters like we saw in that Naito versus uh, White match. If you talk I mean, about, there was just if you talk about just bell to bell action, I completely agree with you. But if you talk about presentation, start and, presentation end, yep. then I completely then I disagree with you. And that's what I was just going to say. If you take into account the after or the lead up going in, and you know me, I'm huge on lead up. I'm huge on after fall. I, I like the whole story uh, when I grade a match. I don't like just look at one match. But with the NJPW, it's a little bit different because you have to look at that one match. You don't have the ability to look at all the promos and and the after in the aftermatch speak and all that to, to really judge a match. You have to look at what happens in that match. But you're right. If I were to look at that whole Dustin versus uh, Cody feud and the tears and, and everything that happened after the match and all that. And the throne. Yeah, it'd be hard not to say that's my number one. But for me to just look at the match itself and what came about throughout the match and even you know the slight lead up that njpw gives you which is you know matches ahead of time and the little bit afterwards um god it's hard that's a tough one that truly is that's a really hard one for me to say which one is better and that's honest to god i have no, no clue i i honestly don't but as far as my number four guy goes and here we go we're losing signal but if you're still there, my number four guy is, for me, my number four guy is El Fantasmo. And I just think for him, there were so many times that last four or five, maybe even six months of the year after he left Defiant and really became part of Bullet Club at NJPW where I just don't know that there was a better worker on any card he was on than, than El Fantasmo. 
he was so incredible in every match he he was in all the way through the super j cup and uh every match he all those tag matches with him and uh ishimori versus uh what were they called what they call them the birds of prey yeah birds of prey those were so and i remember watching that one match and we talked about it where i felt like um phantasmo literally stole the show mm-hmm. when you when you have guys of that talent osprey who's in our who's my number two guy maybe number three depending on my mood guy of the year robbie eagles who could easily be a top 10 guy and ishimori who i i i is probably my favorite junior junior heavyweight in wrestling right now so you've got those three guys in the ring at one time and i felt like el fantasmo stole the show to me that really jettisons him up to my number four spot you know that match and i and i know we haven't gotten we haven't gotten to the shed and i'm not sure if we're going to because we're 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 so far into the weeds here (laughs) as far as time goes but um, yeah but honestly you know, there's there's three tag matches this year that are in that are in that running for me as as being tag match of the year. But th- but that match you just talked about completely blows away the other two to the point where I where that's like number one and the other two are you know oh, like ten and eleven. Biggest tablet away. I already shut Okay, sorry, I'm parenting. Go ahead. No, I was saying that 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 Robbie Eagles versus Will Osprey versus Taiji Ishimori and El Phantasmo was so much better than, than my other two top three matches of the year that it, that it just blows them completely away. Um, it, you know, the, it the may other ones have... to me are, just, you know, just, just to finish this thought, are the latter war between, um, between uh, Girls of Destiny and the Briscoes. And then, of course, the, the match at All Out between what was it called the uh, Escalara del Muerte or something like that between the uh, Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks so here's and and I'm kind of there with you too except I would have put those two matches those two and three I would have put them in the opposite order I would have put oh, yeah, what no, happened yeah, at the Young, Bu- the Young Bucks versus um, Lucha Bros is my, is my number two yeah, and then the G.O.D. versus uh, uh, Briscoe's match would have been my number three. But if you if you look at that, the fact that two gimmick matches are behind what those four guys put on when they went after and that was are you talking about their uh, tag title one or the one before it? I honestly don't remember which one it was. I think it was, I think it was the second one, right? I to be honest, I like their first one better, the one where they won the chance to be to to challenge for the tag title. I thought that was a better match. That was the one where I felt like El Fantasmo stole the show. I and then their when they when they actually put the belts on the line, I thought was a great match too, but not as good as that first match that they had. And, and I can't remember where the first match was. Was it Dunkato or Duntoku? I mean, sorry. Wasn't it? No, it was no. You're right. It was the first match, but it was actually in um, in Great Britain. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it was yeah, actually the same night it, as All Out, but it was at it was on that that British show. Um, what was it called Royal Royal Chase or something? Right. I think it was Royal Quest. Royal Quest. That's what it was. Um, but that one to me was the better of the two matches they had. I felt like their tag title match was a little bit drawn out, 
and was more into Osprey versus Ishimori than the four of them really shining. I, th- I felt like their, uh, the match they had leading up to that where uh, Eagles got the pin really led to was the better of the t- of the two matches and that is my number one match and then you know the fact that there's two gimmick matches as great as they were they're still gimmick matches they had a lot more to work with to make a great match than that one tag match did so i mean hands down that's my tag match of the year and that's part of the reason why um why if El Fantasmo kind of catapulted to my number, my number four spot? Okay, and then what's your, and who's your number five then? It's hard to say. There's so many of them out there. There's there's so many. Like MJF deserves it. Um, Taven deserves it. I felt like uh, Holiday at a few points was easily in my top ten and could have made a run at it. Brody King has had a great year. I thought Marty Skrull has had a very underrated but great year. I even felt like Flip at some points had a great year to where he could have possibly backed in my top 10. And then, of course, you've got Darby Allen. Who is there anybody hotter than Darby Allen right now? Like literally anybody hotter than Darby Allen? No, and then and, you, and, I, you know, the, you know I, I listen to some of those names you're saying, and I, and I, and I kind of... I kind of internally scoff at them, but at the same time, I mean, it was so hard for me to come up with the top five. So, I, so I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I can't really ridicule you for any of any, any of those guys in the top five. Although I, they wouldn't personally be on mine. Like I wouldn't look at a, I wouldn't look at Skrull this year and say he's in my top five simply because he was mostly in six man tags. But the, the problem is, team, you know, but the problem with those guys is who better? Who's been better? I mean, we want to. Well, I want to I mean, say I, I, Taven. I Taven. I totally. I totally get. But the but the rest of the guys Taven, that you listed, I, I wouldn't put there. As much as I've loved Taven, he had a really rough start to the year and a bad end of the year. Like this feud with Vinny and not knowing if he's face or heel, to me, that's a bad end of the year. No matter how horrible his match was or how great he was up until then, after he lost the belt to Roosh, he plummeted. To the point where he is now in the mix with people like Flip and Marty and all these guys where he's he's not... If we had made this call, say, in August, he would have been one of my top three. The way that he was in, in Deny or, or Defy or Deny or whatever that was. Yeah, Defy or Deny. The way that his performance was there, the way that his performance was in a couple of matches before that and after that when he was still champ. He was hard-pressed to be my, my heel of the year. But after this whole, uh, after he lost to Roosh, after the way they've kind of buried him, and then when you really look back at his year and the fact that he really didn't start it off strong either, it's hard for me to say that he's a top five guy. Well, no, I, I disagree. He started off the year very strong. But the problem is that for some reason, they decided to hotshot that real world championship angle. Which I have no idea why they did that. You know, I mean, yeah. To me, they could, that should have dragged out the entire year, and and it shouldn't have been till final battle where he wrestled for the championship. Actually. Yeah, but he never should have wrestled for it against Lethal. He should have wrestled for it against Skrull. At final battle this year, yeah. Right. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, and you know what? I there's one guy that I mentioned on the periphery, and there's and there's another guy that I, we didn't mention at all that I think deserved to be mentioned in the in the rest of the year discussion. One of them is the great Kazushiko Okada, 
was yes. always great, and and, and just because yeah. he's so great all the time, I think sometimes he gets he's overlooked in these discussions. He's to me, he's a lot like a guy like AJ Styles, who at times you overlook him because he's still. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's forty-two years old, and he's still one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Yeah, and the other and the other guy is facing him at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's Kota Ibushi. You know, yeah. you know, Coda has been one of the one of the top in ring performers the entire year. He had the great emotional run to the through the G one, and he's one of my favorite wrestlers on the planet. On it, honestly, so I think I just don't want it to be in that discussion. But he, he's he's in my top ten. He just did not make my top five because of because of the emotional attachment I've had to Sonata's matches more than his. He's well, and there's my a few six guy though, honestly. And there's a few other guys that deserve really, really deserve to be looked at it's like evil has had an amazing year you know but, but because we've kind of been sideswiped by not watching njpw we haven't really cashed in on on how great of season he's had or how year he's had and then you look at some other guys from mlw i thought teddy hart had a really strong year for a long time too I think he's gotten kind of swept under the rug lately, but I think he had a very strong year. Jacob Fatu is another guy who could Teddy easily. Hart's body for me to, Teddy Hart's with his body for me to ever have in my in my wrestle the year session. You think so? Yeah, because I I think I think he may have started that way, but I think he really kind of turned a corner around March and started to become a really really good really good storyteller. But even even said, moments, but I also think there's sometimes where it's like, okay, so now I did this. Now now it's time for me to do this. Now it's time for me to do this. And I think you can see that in his matches. Yeah, I guess you're right. Jacob Fatu though is another guy who has had an amazing year. He has. Um, but I, and but I, think, I, don't, I do think that the last couple of months of MLW of MLW have kind of down, like made him have downplayed him a little bit in my eyes, just because they've kind of reduced him to having to cheat to win when really he was a dominant force earlier in the year. Yeah, but a lot of that's like... Um, uh, God, yeah, but a lot of that's like... I can't think of the guy's name from MLW who you love, Shane Taylor. Where he has been so, so dominant through most of his matches but has had the, the issues towards the end. Yeah. You know... It, well, yeah, I mean, you there's. Don't, you don't, but you didn't hear me mention Shane Taylor's veto my top wrestlers on the, on the planet either. So that's a good point. That's I mean, a very good yeah, point. I love him. I think he's great, and I think that he deserves a, a bigger platform. But I, but I, I didn't mention him as being. And I probably should have since he, since he held the ROH t- t- TV title for like eight months or something. You know? Right. Um, I mean, a guy like that neither one of us mentioned, and he deserves to be in the discussion because he had great matches in, in the number two and number three promotions on the planet, and that's John Moxley. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. As much as I didn't like his whole Mox persona when he came out, the run he had in WWF at the beginning of the year, he put on some decent stuff. And then he's gone out with NJPW, and after he got past that uh, juice match, put on some great matches with NJPW, especially in the G1, and then has had nothing but goodness in AEW. Even his squash matches that he's had a couple of now, of now have been really, really good. See, that's, I mean, and this might be and, and what we were talking the greatest hardcore match <laughs> I've ever seen this year. I guess oh, yeah, Abs- absolutely. Um, and <laughs> probably a second greatest one, too, against, uh, against um, 
Bad Boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then where are we going to put that, which at the time we thought was the greatest hardcore match ever, uh, Sammy against Mance Warner. That's true too. You know? And then there was yeah, the Eddie. And actually, you and I both said that the that the that the uh, Janela Moxie would would have resonated more with us if we hadn't just seen Callahan versus uh, well, Warner, like five days before that. And it wasn't just that one too, wasn't there? The Eddie Edwards versus Callahan that same week. Uh, I mean, we had like three of them in the same week that could have been the greatest hardcore match we ever saw, but because of Manson and Sammy, they were just like, eh, yeah, we saw that. Oh, don't forget, and don't forget about Eddie Edwards versus um, Killer Cross for the first, in the first blood match. Which was an amazing match, too. I mean, it's hard because we've watched so many promotions this year that, yes, I can give you my top three. I can give you a guy who I think is a front runner for my four spot, Nell Fantasmo. But outside of that, there's been so many great performances this year. It's hard to come up with a number five. Darby Allen has been amazing absolutely amazing in everything he's done you've had moxley who is a top-notch guy cody who has put on great matches the bucks either one of those two you know where last year matt was our wrestler of the year i think this year jeff has had an equally as impressive year as matt did last year you know and then you you look at some of the yeah nick (laughs) she's why do we do that (laughs) <laughs> Both I just want to make you sure and I do that. Why do we do that? Actually, because you said it like three times in the same sentence. I was like, wait, are you talking about Nick Jackson or Jeff Hardy? So. No, it, we, you and I both do that too. We, you know, Matt and it's Matt and Nick, or it's Matt and Jeff. And for some reason, we both, both you and I, do that. And that's a testament to Jeff too, because he is really the Jeff Hardy of the group. But Jeff Hardy is a is a Hall of Famer. So. Yeah. But I mean, there's just so many, so many guys in that top bracket or in that you know that could easily slot into that fifth spot and that's just because we've watched so many good wrestlers throughout this year yeah absolutely um and maybe watch too many wrestlers throughout this year that's why we can't pick one you know and, and i realize that we're you know we're, we're already desperately over time but um, I do want to ask you this, so because I know desperately that over time. Where, Remember when we used to go like two and a half hours? <laughs> I do, but we didn't used to do a second show that night too. Um, That's fair um, enough. Fair enough. No. Which we might end up scrapping now. Um, anyway. Yeah, what? Uh, um, so let me ask you this, because I know right. that there was a point earlier this year when I would when I when I knew for sure what was going to be your feud of the year, and then they kind of blew it with that blew it with their with their blow off match, and I think that because I think you hated it as much as I did. Um, so, since obviously Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano is out the window, um, what is your feud of the year? God, that's hard. Because, like I said, for so long it was Cole versus Gargano. Right. That last match was so bad. And then Gargano getting hurt and uh, Cole kind of moving on to really nothing I mean, what's he feuding against now Balor I don't even know I don't know either. you've got the inner circle versus the elite which could be up there but the fact that half the elite doesn't give a shit is disturbing because you've got the inner circle right now 
against dust in the box. It's also only been going on for a couple of months. I mean, it's, it's not like it's had time to fester or anything like that. But if you, I mean, if you think about it, is there really anybody in the elite that even cares? Cody's moved on now. He, him and Darby are going up against uh, Blade and Bunny or Bruiser or whatever the hell they are. Um, and you've got the Bucks and Cody pretty much, or the Bucks and Dustin against the elite. Page and Omega, I think they're feuding against each other. So there really is no... There really is no elite versus inner circle, is there? So, God, feud of the year. <sighs> Maybe Tessa versus Sammy. <laughs> See, and that was, and that's one thing that I've been thinking of is, T- is Tessa versus Sammy. So. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know where else to go with that. I mean, you could maybe say White versus Naito, but was Naito versus Kushida a better feud? Was Kushida versus who? Naito. Naito and Kushida? Or dude, they almost killed each other at the beginning of this Ibushi, year. Ibushi, dude. Ibushi. Oh, Ibushi. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ibushi. Yeah, so here's here's my thing is is I was thinking Sammy versus Tessa also. Um, but then but then I think Sammy's also in another front runner for feud of the year with with Mance Warner. Um, that wasn't a feud with Mance Warner though. It was a feud against De- Promociones de Losado. It uh, was, with, but if you remember, they started off as enemies against each other, and then but then loved each other after one match, other, though. And so, so, I mean, even if you want to call it storyline of the year versus instead of feud of the year, you know, it's still a different right, front runner right. there because you know Mans did end up being the one that knocked him out of the promotion, even though he didn't want to. Yeah. Um. And then you've got, like you said, Naito versus Ibushi. And then I think you also have to put in there a, a, few, a, a series of matches that I that I mentioned earlier, um, and that's Sonata versus Okada. Is that really a feud, though? Well, it was a series of matches where there's high stakes on the line every single time, and every one of the matches was four to was four and a half to five stars. Yeah, that's true. You know, they wrestled each other in the Japan Cup Finals. They wrestled each other for the world for the ROH World Championship. And at, at Dantaku, and then they wrestled Me. each other for the um, in the G1, where Sonata finally got his victory after after seven losses. I mean, another feud that we have to really pay and close don't, attention. And don't forget that um, Okada, whether mockingly or not, said that Sonata was his arch rival. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say another few that we have to really pay attention to, and this happened in Japan too, is Birds of Prey versus Bullet Club. Yep. I mean, they had a good two to three match feud as a tag team, and then you wrap in all of the, um, with, when it was uh, Eagles versus Osprey that actually turned to Eagles, and then you had all those feuds with Osprey against El Fantasmo and Ishimori. That was a really good feud this year, too. Well, there's also two other tag feuds we should mention then, too. But the Briscoes versus G.O.D. And, and the Bucks versus Lucha Bros. Yep, that's the other one. Both those were great, too. God, feud of the year would be amazing to figure out 
we would have to literally watch those over again though too and i don't know if i have the time for that I'm <laughs> because of, because of what he did for both individuals i would i'm gonna i'm gonna anoint sammy versus tessa i have to only because like you said what it did for both of them because i think sammy is right now one of the top draws in the business and i think a lot of that is because not just because of the way or because of the feud he had with tessa but the way he handled that feud not only in a wrestling aspect but also in a just the way the the world perceives it i just think he was he was nails on all of that that and, and also i mean the other thing is with that feud is that now when you see tessa against a guy like even against um crap what's his name now no, i can't think of his name madman fulton you don't think anything of it i mean you don't look oh. at that as a as a woman versus a man you look at it as tessa blanchard against man man madman fulton you know? and a lot of that and a lot of that i still bring back to the way that the way that Sammy ended that match, the way that that match was done throughout where Sammy and Tessa really gelled in a way that made each other look like equals. This wasn't a Medusa versus Evan Courageous match from WCW in 2001 where it was just a joke. This wasn't um, Eric Young in a tag team match against women. This was a legitimate match. Those two went out and nobody pulled a punch. Nobody felt sorry when they hit the other one. They went out and they acted like two equals throughout the entire match. And because of that, it put both of them over. Both of them over. Yeah, I think it started with that feud between Sammy and Tessa. And I think it continued with Tommy Dreamer's endorsement. And then um, and then with her, with her beating Brian Cage cleanly in the middle of the ring. You know? Right. And speaking of Brian Cage, you know, if we had a if we had an award for disappointments of the year, I think Brian, Brian Cage would be up there with me. With yeah. Me. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> he came into the year red hot. You know, he won the world title red hot, but then you know that injury. Um, you know, sl- you know, being a lame duck champion, um, beating Sammy Callahan at at uh, Bound for Glory when he really had no business winning that match. I mean, I mean. Brian Cage right now, you know, I mean, he's he's so low right now as far as, first of all, my respect for him, but also like where he is, like, like he's a he's the former world champion, and I feel like he is ten, ten match, ten victories away from getting a shot at the championship. You know, I mean, he he is he's sunk down that low for me in my eyes as, as in in the rankings in that promotion. Fuck! I just had another one that was up there for falling. Preferred disappointments. Okay. Ah, oh, God, I can't think of who it was now. Oh, Tom Lawler. Yeah. Coming into the year, he won the title in February. We thought that Tom Lawler was going to be the greatest thing ever. Has anyone fallen farther than Tom Lawler? I mean, you talked about Brian Cage. Brian Cage had a huge run as X division champion before he became, you know, and, and got hurt by Elgin and, and never amounted anything since, but Tom Lawler, seriously, he had the company on his back and he dropped the ball. Yeah. He 
was terrible as he was terrible. Like his character was terrible as champion. And it, it it took like five different runs. There was a like right after he won the belt, he was a drunk who was at strip clubs, and then next week he's a pretty boy again, and then next week he might be a bad guy, but we're not sure. It just it took so many different changes that it, if I were to put a guy put a guy at the at the top of oh my god you really fucked up your spot it would be Tom Lawler. Out of the promotions that we watched, and there's there were guys that really didn't amount to what we wanted to, but it wasn't their fault. Like I can't blame Taven or Skrull for ending this uh, ending the year the way they did. That wasn't on them. That was on their promotions. Um. Same thing with Tanahashi. Tanahashi came in red hot, and he ended where he did. Is that his fault, or is the fact that the promotion just was like, eh, you know what, we're not in India anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, you and I both have serious, serious questions about the first four months of world title booking for, for, for JPW. Well, yeah. Should have stayed in Jay White for the rest of the year. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I mean, we can say that, but at the same time, we wouldn't have got that great Jay White versus Naito match if that were the case. That's a good point, and that was probably the match of the year for me. And, and White still messed <clears> up <throat> as the as the world champion when Wrestle Kingdom goes off the air. You know? And he better, if I'm going <laughs> to stay up for eight fucking hours, I better see White as the world champion dual title holder. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that next week. Next no, week. if I'm staying. Imp, if you're listening, if I'm staying up for eight hours, this better happen. If it doesn't, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Plain and simple. And I'm going to bed halfway through the show, so you got to listen to my snoring. That's how it's going to be. Well, are you are you aware that the way the card is structured is that is that the you know the the winners of those of the of the two title yeah. matches and the losers of the two title matches are going to face each other? So either way, we're guaranteed great matches. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I get that. It's NJPW. Have they put on a bad match in like six years? Bad matches, yes. Bad shows, no. When is the last time one of the top four? Uh, okay, I'll give you tag matches have not been great. The multi-man tag matches. But once they get to the main part of the card, when is the last time we saw a bad match? Anytime Mar- Minoru Suzuki's in there. No, come on, dude is awesome. <laughs> Seriously, you do not respect Minoru Suzuki the way that I do. No, because I don't think I don't think he should be able to go out there. He should be going out there beating people with chairs and not getting disqualified for it. He's five hundred and ten years old. Give him a break. No. When you're that old, you got to hit a motherfucker with a chair. That's just the way it works. Jacob Chair. Jacob's here laughing at me, by the way. Did your, did your favorite wrestler, Ric Flair, have to? No, he did not. He did. And he did it multiple times. Not legally and not, not with the referee not disqualifying him. Once he hit 500 years old, he did. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you will not. Huh? No, I will. <laughs> you don't understand the blood that is coursing through these veins. No. I don't, I don't Jacob is literally laughing at me right now. 
Good. For for those of you that don't, you've been introduced to my toddler. Jacob, say hi. Yeah, that's my teenager. I have a toddler and a teenager. Be jealous. Nobody is. I'm not even. First ages kids you could have, and you have them both at the same time. Right? This is why I drink. Right there. But you know, at, at least Jacob isn't 13. He's 16. You know. It's a good point. At least he can drive me around. Yeah. Right. While you're getting drunk, he can drive you around to the hospital. Uh, ouch. No, because we can't leave the toddler. He can throw the toddler in the car seat and drive you to the hospital. I don't drink with my toddler. Back off, woman. Woman? You know what? Do you know what I'm going to do? I just because no of that, just because of that last statement, I am going to Star Wars tomorrow, and I'm going to tweet you the result. You're going to tweet me the result? Of Star Wars. Spoilers. It's coming. I'm on Twitter right now. Fine, then I'll Facebook you. I will ignore you. Can you join a social media shit, or media, 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 so I can give you the spoilers no. that you so righteously deserve? I don't deserve spoilers. I, I, you deserve them. I've been waiting for this movie for my entire life, Jeff. You know what I'm going to do? Because you don't understand this is Disney and the end of a trilogy that is Star Wars. Dude, we know I'm, the I'm answer. Perfectly, I'm perfectly sure that it's going to end with the Rebel Alliance winning. But that's not the point. The point is I don't want to be spoiled about like other things that happened during the, during the movie. I'm going to it on Tuesday. Wednesday. What day is it? Monday? Today's Wednesday. Monday. I'm going Wednesday. And I'm going to take cliff notes. And I'm going to reveal them to you on Friday night walking. You broke up. You broke up on me. You're going to do one day? That is the kind of love I have for you. Text. Okay. Just don't. So you're saying to shut my, shut my phone off on Friday? I'm pretty much saying that, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you, want, you want to tell these fine people how they can, how they can, how else they can listen to us? I do, but really it doesn't matter. All right, you guys. <laughs> Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash honor. That is really the go-to. Um, tonight we were going to do our first run at uh, Ring Preview starting in 2000. We're not going to do that. By about an hour. We talk too much. Um, we do that maybe later this week. But uh, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. You can get the last five to ten episodes counting our other show that we do, which is uh, Dynamite After Dark. Uh, and we do five, uh, we do, well, these two shows, plus we do a uh, special for Patreon users. Uh, we're going to start doing Ring of Honor. We've done some ECW, we've done some Jessica Jones and some Marvel. Um, I think the most recent one was Thor, and we got to get back to that. But go to patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. You're going to a lot of content, all for donating to us so we can continue to do this shit that you listen to and love. 
can also uh, look it up, look us up on YouTube, um, youtube.com Sound of Honor. If we get to a certain amount of likes and a certain amount of subscribes, that's being a thousand likes and a thousand subscribes, then we can start doing this live on YouTube, and you can look at Shane. Thousand total. It's thousand of each. Actually, I think it's like two thousand likes and a thousand subscribes, but I don't want to tell them that yet. Good, because nobody heard that with me and you, so I, I was in a special chat room for that one sentence. Attaboy. But if that happens, look at Zanman and his ugly mug every Wednesday and Monday night. It's live on YouTube. It's YouTube. Hit that subscribe. Hit that uh, notification bell. Hit the like. Do it all. And we'll eventually get there. It's our Twitter, and I am at Reggie Co-op. He is at Zanman L-O-P. Um, use hashtag D-A-D. Use the hashtag K-O-H. That is going to get you to all of our content. And to be honest, there's starting to be quite a bit of it. And again, that's at Patreon.com. You can find all that content, and you can donate and help us out so we can af- afford all of this that we love so much. I don't know. Okay. It's probably enough for me at this point. Okay. Uh, make sure you stay, stay tuned to Yellow on the LP radio shows. Uh, there's no Kingdom of Honor this week because there is no Dynamite. I'm sorry, there's no Dynamite After Dark this week because there is no Dynamite. And, um... But you, there should be Sports Entertainment is Dead coming up on, on Wednesday because I don't think it's Christmas in the UK, right? Um, and then... I can't believe I just said that. That was hilarious. Imp, uh, let us know. <laughs> and then, and, but then you'll have Imp with uh, Imp's LOP Radio Adventure on Thursday. On Friday, the right side of the pond. I'll connect with you next Monday to preview Wrestle Kingdom, which would be less than a week away from our... Du- uh, what the hell is it called? Um, Aftershock. Three-man three man weave Aftershock regarding Wrestle Kingdom... Or is that our double lack of sleep nights? As it'll be me, Jeff, and Imp talking about those that big double Russell Kingdom show from NJPW coming up. And I don't know, Jeff was just whining about something. I didn't hear what you I didn't hear what you were whining about, Jeff. Everything. Oh, okay, so like usual pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Alright. You don't need to sleep, dude. I'm sleeping now. Sleep is overrated. I am sleeping now. There's okay. sleep happening at this moment. <laughs> all right, I'm good. All right. Guys, that's all we've Wait. got for this week. We'll try to do better next time. You know time. what? Don't our ROH shows happen tonight, is it? We ran. Oh, my God. We a good hour over, didn't we? We did, yes. All right. So, um, Ring of Honor shows. Drunk, probably like you're getting drunker by the second, too. Oh my god, dude. You know. Ring of Honor show is probably not going to happen tonight, so we'll do that later. I'm no, hoping. we won't, because if I'm on the phone with you, you're going to tell me about Star Wars, and I won't fucking hear it. I promise I will not Star Wars. Yeah, you already threatened to, to spoil it. How am I supposed to believe that? I'm a good guy, deep down on the inside. Inside of what? Pillows and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is wrong with me? 
Oh this my is God! Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 climax 27. Goodbye. And good. Okay.